You hear it. That is the signal. That is the the bat signal, the the code word to get you in to This Week in Liberpods. I know I, I call it This Week in Liberpods, but I'm terrible at getting these out. Believe it or not, a podcast that is 90% other people's podcasts is actually probably more time-consuming to produce than some of my other podcasts. So, it takes me sometimes to get them out. But you know, it's like a community service or something. So I, I think that they can deal with it taking me time to put them out. At any rate, welcome, welcome, welcome to another fine installment. This is episode number 15, and we are going to be looking at another five libertarian-themed podcasts. We have a bunch of really good ones with us this week that I cannot wait to get you exposed to. And since I can't wait, let's just get right into it. Our first podcast this week is Governing Ourselves with Adam and Lisa. And what a fantastic podcast this is. This is actually one of my favorites because it's one of the rare libertarian atheist podcasts out there. They talk about topics. They talk about movies and entertainment stuff all around a positive show. So if you like listening to people talk from an atheist libertarian perspective, this is probably for you. Let's dig in. And that's how they collect information from average ordinary people. The, you know, the, even uh, Batman, uh, the Dark Knight Returns, or which one is it? The second one. Mm. I think it's just the Dark Knight. It was one of the Christopher Nolan ones. Yeah, the Dark Knight. They they kind of touch on this as well, where Batman has tapped everyone's phones, and oh. Lucius, and Lucius Fox is really uncomfortable. So he goes along with it, but he says because they want to stop the Joker. But then he says after this, I re- I'm resigning because I can't I can't stand by this. So like in films like that, we go, oh yeah, of course, you know, like we can't. You know, we can't give ultimate spying and surveillance power to one entity. Of course, that's dangerous. And then, you know, the government says we need this power. And everyone's like, well, you know, if you don't have anything to to hide, then. I hate that response. Oh, yeah, it's the worst response. Uh, I've also been watching uh, The Boys on Amazon. And that's that's also about superheroes. But all the superheroes in that are douchebags. <laughs> and And the boys are a bunch of guys that are trying to kill those superheroes. Uh, um, and their, their Superman character who has x-ray vision, you know, he's like, I want to search your van. And the guy's like, no offense, bud, but do you, do you have a warrant? And he's like, well, if you got nothing to hide, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, so it's this argument that we always have people, according to the fourth amendment are supposed to be secure in their papers, possessions and effects. Right. And yes, it doesn't specifically say emails. Or digital data, but mm-hmm. the meaning is clearly implied, right? Yeah. In fact, I'll I'll read the Fourth Amendment because that's what this whole debate uh, debate is even about it is really the Fourth Amendment and and its role in a post nine eleven world, mm-hmm. right? It's the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the with the creation of the Patriot Act during the Bush administration in response to 9-11, we basically took the Fourth Amendment and said, well, that's a nice ideal, but... You know, we live in the real world. And and by the way, that's another line that Nick Fury gives is, you know, I have to live in the world as it is, not a, not as we'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and he and tells again, Captain America that you need to get with the program. 
yeah, you got to get with that program. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's all part of this. Well, dude, your ideals are nice and all, but you know, if you're a really irrational realist, you know, you would, you would go along with what I'm doing, mm-hmm. which, which is to survey everybody. So I think as libertarians, we're, we are generally less interested in security and we're more interested in, in uh, freedom. Mm-hmm. And we see the government, of course, as a potential threat to freedom and even to safety itself, right? Yeah. We don't want our government to become a tyranny. So without without the things like the Fourth Amendment and, yes, the Second Amendment and the First Amendment, you know, we, we don't have any sort of guarantee to freedom. And now we can see politicians trying to erode each and every one of those freedoms. Mm-hmm. Right. We put more and more limits on the First Amendment. You know, we have a lot of fighting with the press. We have uh, hate, hate speech ideas. You know, um, you know, we're recording everyone's data and information. You know, the Fourth Amendment has basically been thrown in the trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one party is trying to completely get rid of the Second Amendment. They want to write an amendment to repeal it. Yeah. Right. That's the Democrats. Um, that's the Democrats. They want to just completely get rid of it. Even though if you get rid of it, you don't have any of the other ones. Not really. Because mm. like you have second- no way to to actually protect yourself. Exactly right. Okay. You know, and that, you know, they always bring up the argument about hunting. It's like, dude, why the hell are you talking about hunting? I know. The it's founding so completely- fathers were not that concerned about hunting that they put it in the Bill of Rights. Come on now. Yeah. They assumed everybody was going to figure out hunting. yeah and that is the governing ourselves podcast big fan glad to have them amongst our ranks moving right along we also have my fellow americans with muddy waters media hosted by none other than current vice presidential candidate for the libertarian party alongside vermin supreme spike cohen this is a new one to my rotation but it has not been a bad one let's see what we got so of course, one of the smartest, as chief strategist, one of one of the smartest political choices that Vermin and the team have made, that anyone has ever made, really, was to pick me as Vermin's running mate, and I am, of course, honored. Now, scale of one to ten, how much do you regret that decision? Eleven. I can tell. I can tell that you. I can. I can feel your 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 recalcitrance at this whole thing. Uh, so talk, talk to me about what were some of the reasons that Vermin and the team that, you know, thought that I would be a good running mate and, and how wrong was that? Well, essentially what I looked at was you, you guys had a great chemistry, um, on his appearance on your show. Um, I saw that, uh, Desiree saw that. Um, and I, you know, we were talking about potential running mates. I was looking at other candidates, um, and currently seeking the nomination, um, and we were looking for a way that, uh, to balance the ticket. Um, so we, first of all, we wanted to go with someone a little bit more right-leaning. Um, we right. wanted to go with someone who um, was not based entirely in the realm of satire like Berman was. Um, and we wanted someone who um, essentially who understood what we were trying to do. Right. Uh, I suggested you, um, Desiree molded over. Um, the, you know, the conversation eventually, you know, took place with Vermin. Um, he wanted to speak to you. You guys hit it off really well again. Um, and, you know, he couldn't be happier with our pick either. 
Um, you know, and it's just been totally um, fantastic ever since then. Yeah, I think we dovetail well together in a lot of different ways. He's in the north, I'm in the south. Uh, he's more, like you said, more on the on the left side of the libertarian spectrum. I'm more on the right side, which this has been instructive in how little difference there is between the left and right. Let me get into a little bit of a rant on that. Uh, uh, there's so little difference between the left and right on the libertarian spectrum because we're not trying to actually coerce anyone. We're essentially arguing over personal preferences on what we would like our voluntary community to look like. That's a completely different argument from authoritarians on the left and on the right. Uh, I'm doing that so that it's your left and right. Uh, on the left and on the right who are arguing over who's going to force whom to do what. And that's a completely different argument. Once, you're, once you remove that coercion and you allow people to make their own voluntary choices, now you're just kind of debating how things might look best. And we can figure that out once we get there. But, it, but I have much more uh, alliance with a left libertarian uh, than, for example, a Republican who may agree with me on some things, not a lot, but on some things about taxes or regulations or whatever, but then they also want to impose a lot of things on me and everyone else and themselves that A, I'm not okay with, and B, I wouldn't want any, to be imposed on anyone. So, uh, But we, we, we balance out that whole unity ticket. Uh, we're in different parts of the country. Um, I, I said recently, he's kind of the 80% satire, 20% seriousness candidate. I'm more of the 80% seriousness, 20% satire candidate. And it, it all just sort of dovetails well. Would you say, if anything, it's almost more like it... it it seems to intuitively make more sense as it goes along, right? Yeah, of course. And I mean, again, um, I, it really, I don't know how many times I've had people say to me that I, that they don't understand what kind of libertarian I am. And I say, well, I, I would consider myself an anarchist. And they say, well, are you an ANCAP or are you, or are you um, more of a uh, left-leaning uh, anarchist? And the answer to that always is, well, it doesn't really matter unless I'm going to try to force you to live the way I am. Right, exactly. And that's the that's the very basis of this ticket. You don't have to agree on everything to get along well and want to implement the same exact goal, which is a voluntary society. Right. Um, so that essentially is where the whole idea of having a left leaning um, top of the ticket and a right leaning uh, bottom of the ticket, um, you know, type of uh, campaign uh, came from. Yeah, and it has. To me, anyway, it has worked out. It has worked out pretty well. To that end, um... that was my fellow Americans with Spike Cohen. Up next, we have a clip from Anarchy Among Friends. This is another new one to me, and has that conversational style that I like, where it's just a couple of you know friends just sitting around and BSing. So why don't you give it a listen and see what you think? Um, and that's well, and that's the that's the thing though is. Um, you, wasn't it, uh, was it like Socrates that's, or was it Plato? It might've been Plato that said that the, the, the evil men or the good men do not require that the state tell them how to act rightly. And the, yeah, the good men don't require that the state tell them how to act rightly. And the evil men will not, or will do evil regardless of the state, something to that general effect. Um, and that's yeah it was something like that like basically like look good people don't need laws to tell them how to be good and bad people are going to be bad whether the law says that they shouldn't be or not yep and it, that's been a basic truth since before ancient greece and yet somehow these I, karens still don't get it can kill the devil with a rock plato 
Plato, good people do not need laws to tell them to act responsibly, while bad people will find a way around the laws. There we go. There you go. So, yeah, rocks, spears, yeah. bone arrow, fists, clubs, axes. The most, the most popular Law. weapon in the United mm-hmm. States to kill someone. You know what it is? The single most popular weapon for homicides. Screwdriver. Number two, hammer. No. no. Medical malpractice. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's right up there. But no, I mean, to intentionally kill someone, um, to actually commit homicide, it's like screwdriver, hammer, um, fists and feet, knife, something else. I don't remember what number. Baseball bat. And then, like, guns don't even actually make, like, the top, like, seven or eight. I don't think they're in the top ten, are they? They might be in the... I, I feel like they might be in the top ten, but they might not. I don't know offhand. But I do remember that the top five are all, like, either tools or, like, your hands and feet. Mm. Yeah. So, like, what, what, are you, what are you hoping to stop here? Look at China and Japan and stuff where they have guns banned already... And then they have these mass knife attacks, or in Great Britain where they have guns banned, and then they have mass knife attacks and truck attacks trucks. and things. Yeah, just trucks running down the road, you guys. Like so. you're not going to stop evil people from doing evil things by disarming all of the good people and rendering them defenseless. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have to read this real quick, just for. Uh, I looked into these guys, the, the VCD, VCDL, uh, Virginia Commonwealth Defense League or Committee Defense League, whatever it is, I don't remember. But they're about section. Uh, all right. VCDL is a nonprofit, nonpartisan grassroots organization dedicated to advancing the fundamental human rights of all Virginians to keep and bear arms as guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution and Article 1, Section 13 of the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia. VCDL believes that to win the fight to restore our gun rights, we have to go on the defensive, make use of a very effective lobbyist, the voter. We have to beg the crown, please, uh, if it please the crown, <laughs> my please, keep if my rights. If it pleases the crowns, can we have our freedoms? Yeah, like, that's... Our founding fucking fathers rolling in their graves could power America right now. Like they're spinning that much because this is what our country has become. We have gone from a country that as soon as the revolution was done and then they started trying to tax them again, we're willing to go right back to war. Hashtag whiskey Mm -hmm. rebellion, Google it. And they were willing to go to war immediately again after years and years of already having gone through a war, because everyone seems to think that like it was like two years or three years. Oh, no, no, no. You're talking like 10 years <laughs> of fighting before you, the U.S. actually truly gets its own country. Talking about an extended period of time of fighting. And as soon as that's done, these same men are then taxed after fighting a war over taxes and are willing to go right back to war over it. And now we've become a country that goes, oh, we're going to go ahead and just beg harder. We're going to beg and plead that much harder now. We're not actually... 
that's what it is. You know, we're we're in a position that we're in because all of these generations are so much weaker than the generations that came before them. Mm-hmm. I do so. love me a good conversational hang podcast, and Entergaming Friends definitely hits that spot. So hopefully you enjoyed it. If not, maybe the next one's for you. Coming up, we have a clip from the Run Your Mouth podcast with Mr. Robbie the Fire, King of the Cocks Bernstein who you may know from the Part of the Problem podcast as Dave Smith's lovable scamp of a sidekick. This particular episode features the gentleman from the Biting the Bullet podcast, who you may remember from a previous episode. Let's see what they got to say this week. On that note of saying that there's a lot of people who are abused, do you find that they have like a really dark, evil kind of, where like when the violence kind of gets started, there's like a comfort to them of that, or I'm just kind of making something up? Well, no, I feel like there's there's a there's a few people that are like that. They're just fucking psychos. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you honestly like you're with these guys all the time, so you know the fucking psychos. You know what I mean? Like you you're with these guys day in day out for months on end. So you kind of know the psychos, and there's those guys that you know they get off to shit like that. But the rest of them, it's just a lot of the guys where I was saying like the you got beat as a child or whatever. They were you know they're just the ones that are like they're used to getting shit on and they're like, well, I can take this. So they're just, it's just because you're used to it. So it's like, this is no different than anything else I've lived through. Right. I've been abused my whole life. So fuck you, you fucking Marines. You think I can't get through your bullshit? My dad used to beat me. You're nothing fucking drill sergeant. I'll take it in the ass right now. You don't think I can handle it? Let's do it, Sarge. (laughs) Actually, I'm called the Great Beanie because the Marine Corps just fucks you the entire time you're in it. Yeah. You know what I heard? I I read this in a New York Times Magazine article. This was the most crazy thing I ever read about. I don't think it was the Marines, but it was some sort of a special forces, and I think they trained in uh, in France. And the story was that they were trying to basically weed Muslims out of this elite unit because they were afraid that, I guess, the Muslims wouldn't be loyal to, like, the American army. And so they were particularly abusive towards the Muslims just to try and get them. They couldn't formally quick. They couldn't kick them out. So they were trying to be extra harsh on them so that they would quit out. And the article claimed that they had, like, an industrial-sized dryer that they would, like, put all the laundry in. And they actually put, like, a dude in the industrial, like, size dryer to fucking tumble around in the heat. That's just fucking boot camp in the Marine Corps, man. Yeah, no. That's, that's Are you for real? Like that, like shit, like that rough would kind of, I, I I wasn't there. You tell me. I was in the Marine Corps. There was a, I don't know. It was a couple years after I was already in, but there was a drill instructor that did that. One of the recruits died. <laughs> he put him in the dryer and died. Yeah. So, yeah. Does that guy get fired, yeah. promoted? What happens after that? <laughs> he probably got he got he probably got promoted at first, and then like Moms of America comes in, and they're like, "You can't kill our kids," and everybody else is like, "Fuck off!" Like push another recruit down or some shit. I would be like, well, ma'am, he was wet, and I was just trying to help him out. I figured instead of having him take off his clothes, maybe I could just put him in the dryer. And how was I supposed to know that he would die sooner than his clothes would get dry? I can't know these things. What am I, some sort of dryer scientist? (laughs) My drill instructor, fucking, like, four weeks into boot camp, we had a kid that stood, like, right across from me on the other line. And we were both, like, right out in front of the the main, the drill, called the drill instructor's house. And this fucking, he was a, 
he was a pussy. So like, <laughs> essentially, he, the way to really get out of boot camp is to say that you're going to kill yourself. That's that's pretty much it. Either that or try to run away. They might just catch you and then put you right back in boot camp because we've seen that happen too. But uh, So this kid said, I'm going to kill myself. And the drill instructor was like, all right, yeah, how are you going to fucking do that? And he's like, I'll choke myself. And he was like, how? With what? He's like, my, my belt, like our fucking, like, breaker's belt. And he was like, all right, go ahead. And he, the fucking kid is like, sir, and he's like, fucking do it. So the kid's fucking rigger's belt, tied it around his neck and just kind of, like, tried to pull it up. And, like, I'm right in front of this. And the drill instructor looks at us, and he's like, hey, you see this 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 guy's trying to harm his life, right? And we're like, uh, he's like, no bullshit. He's harming himself. And we're like, yes, sir. He's like, good. And he drop kicked the motherfucker in the chest. Oh and, like, no way! And then like grabbed the belt and then threw it and looked back at us because we're like right fucking there. And he was like, "You saw me save his life, right?" And we're like, "Yes, oh. sir." And he's like, "All right, cool." And they fucking kicked him out. <laughs> that is fucking brutal. I mean, I almost respect Dude, I, that drill sergeant. He's like, "Wow, yeah. that's Dude, pretty. That's pretty well, intense." That's the thing, man. You start like, dude. We talk about it all the time. Boot camp is the funniest place you're not allowed to laugh. <laughs> dude, it's <the> <laughs> <laughs> just because it's so funny that the, like the way they'll yell at people and like. I am a sucker for those biting the bullet guys. They crack me up, so I'm always excited to see them on another podcast. Once again, that was the Run Your Mouth podcast. I don't know that it's even really a libertarian podcast, but uh, we'll just throw it in the milieu. The last clip we have this week is Coffee Shop Philosophy with Killian Hobbs over at the Think Liberty Network. Uh, This is going to be an oddball one, but I've been trying to get it in here forever. In general, Killian covers philosophy, broader ideas, philosophers, just general philosophy stuff in nice little chunks. So let's dig in and see what we've got this week. We're off work either with fielding phone calls, going through reports, um, having to set up follow-up meetings, the additional time you stay to be able to make sure renovations are done properly and then newer staff are trained up properly, et cetera, et cetera. I knew, I knew that this was going to be a strain on my time. However... I had convinced myself that I could plan my way out of this and simply continue on with all the other work that I was doing without that really affecting me. Not realize, you know, I realized that with work, I was working 50, sometimes 60 hours a week in order to get things done, especially going into the uh, busy holiday season there. But I didn't account for my own downtime. That time when you get off work, you sit down, and the last thing you want to do is anything that even remotely resembles work. What you want to do at that point is you just want to sit down, you want to relax, or you might say, "I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go get this work done. Let me just check my phone quick." And next thing you know, it's an hour and a half later, and you've been flipping through Facebook, reading a whole bunch of messages, doing all that sort of stuff. Sometimes just catching up on your social media feed in general. And there goes all that time you were about to spend doing all that stuff you wanted to get done. You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm not unique in that. However, being a person that talks about how important these types of organization is, how t- important uh, keeping an eye on how yourself and doing kind of check-ins with yourself to make sure that you're 
okay with where you are. Uh, letting myself fall aside like that was uh, a bit of a blow, which then kind of fed into that drain, which meant that I needed more of that downtime for myself. And things just kind of snowballed from there. I was able to course correct myself, get everything sorted out. And then, like I mentioned, that's around the time that the podcast network went on its holiday hiatus. So I uh, ended up uh, being off the air a little bit longer than intended. But that is a key aspect of any type of planning process, any type of management process, especially personal management, such as time management, general organization, et cetera, et cetera. All of it is dependent on honesty. What I mean with that is, uh, let's say you're looking at a budget, right? You're trying to budget things out for yourself and you tell yourself, oh yeah, you know, uh, I can go, um, I can go with only a coffee a day. Well, if you're a person that drinks four or five cups a day, you're not going with a coffee a day. That's a lie. You just told yourself a lie while you're trying to budget and you're going to go treat yourself to that extra coffee or instead of a coffee, you're going to say, well, I haven't had coffees all day, so I'll grab an energy drink instead. You're still going to end up spending that money and then you're going to be over your budget and you're going to say, well, what happened? You need to have that level of honesty with yourself when you're doing any type of planning or any type of organization for yourself. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up to fail. I've done that before. I've done that recently. I've done it in the past. I will probably do it in the future. You know, it's, I, I, I am preemptively being hypocritical because I know that's an area that I'm going to fail at again and again and again, despite the fact that I'm preaching how important it is not to fail at that. But that's just part of being a human. You're going to fail at things. It happens. The part that matters is the course correction. You have to try to be honest with yourself and the more often that you're honest with yourself about, well, how much do I really spend on this stuff? Do I need to spend that money? No, but I know me. I know I'm going to eventually break down and spend that money on it. You know, you can tell yourself, I'm done drinking. I'm never going to go to the bar again. I'm not going to spend a single cent on it anymore. I'm done. And then all of a sudden, two months later, you get a call to go to see your buddy for his birthday. You know, he's turned to the big 3-0 or 4-0 or something like that. And... Sure enough, you're going to go to the bar and you're going to spend that money or, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe, you know, maybe you've had a couple stressful weeks with uh, you and the missus or you and the mister and you decide to treat yourself and go out for dinner and stuff like that. Doing those things are a part of living. You have to do those things just the same as as weird as it sounds. Sometimes you have to just spend an hour scrolling through Facebook and just doing nothing else other than just scrolling through, just laughing at random memes that you come across or reading the odd article that pops up or getting into a lengthy debate with some random on the internet about the, you know, the finer points of the douchebaggery of Marx, whatever it is that floats your boat. <laughs> you need to account for those things. You need to realize that that doesn't make you bad at time management. It makes you human because without that downtime, without that recovery time, you're not going to actually accomplish the things that you want to accomplish when you're trying to plan things out. Going back into the time management aspect specifically. Well, there you have it, folks. That is another one in the can. Another episode of This Week in Liberpods. I'm making a lot of changes in 2020, and so I hope to be making more of these episodes more regularly. But as I said, this particular job doesn't pay, and it's a little bit more complicated cutting everything together than uh, just recording an interview. So, with the best of intentions, I shall continue and forge on. But you know what would really make it more worthwhile? I want every one of you to go out and tell one of your libertarian friends, hey, 
and they've got to check out this podcast because you know it'll make me keep doing it watching those numbers go up because I want to make that echo chamber the most gigantic echo chamber in the world. I want to be telling everyone about this. I want everyone to know that there are voices out there that sound like their own voices. Gone are the days of libertarians are right wing or they're Nazis or those are libertines not libertarians. I say why not both or at least find the one that you like because I firmly believe in the more voices the better. So if this is your first time, click subscribe and go and listen to some of the older episodes because this is a pretty evergreen show. If you're not new, thank you so much for listening. In any case, if you'd like to learn more, check out liberpods.com. And while you're at it, why don't you check out our friends over at libertypodcastranker.com. Maybe upvote us. That'd be good. If you like this podcast, check out more like it over at the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network at libertyhippiepods.com. And if you thought it was a stupid podcast, but you liked how it sounded, and you need some podcast work of your own, check out themadaudiolab.com. Thanks, and have a good day.